I am so excited that we're back with you doing another podcast, and I am thrilled that sitting across from me is one of my favorite people to work with. So, Patrick, amen. we're going to restart another series. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to this. So, we're going to dig into the fivefold. And uh, I think I had taught on something the other week, and one of the reasons we're going to dig into this, after teaching on it, you had made comment to me about... I had said something a little different way than you had heard it before. Yes. And I thought, well, then we should dig into this. And so I kind of feel like it's time for us to kind of open up the fivefold. I believe that too. You know, you said it was the hand of God is what you used to reference uh, for the fivefold. Mm. And I never quite heard it that way. Okay. And I think in this season, especially the last 10 years, and especially with what the Lord's doing with the church right now is mm. putting things into alignment, getting people into their positioning, you know, getting teams assembled. Mm. The, the team word has been... Uh, prevalent over the last two or three years and I think that goes right in line with the Lord's really releasing or uh, cultivating the fivefold in the church absolutely and that's spot on Um, it's funny how lately in the last few years I think people have taught on teams team building um, leadership skills leadership management but I think oftentimes in all of this teaching people don't go back to the idea of team based on the biblical model and the biblical model of team for the new testament church is the only place we hear it listed out we see them sent out two by two we know he called them in in the number of 12. we know that he told them to operate together we see in the new testament that they operated in the church as apostles and prophets but he listed for them the idea of teamwork by naming them succinctly the apostle the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. So God's idea of teamwork is a five-layered model or five-fold, as we've often come to call it, which is the nature of God. Amen. So I think it would be good for us to start digging into that. I believe so, too. Do you know where that term fold came from, five-fold? I think, honestly, um, the fold is just the same idea of layer. I see. And so where we often say, you know, a five layered model, five fold is because if you're looking at something and you fold it together like a napkin, it's one napkin, but you've layered it now on top of itself. I see. So it's the very nature of God. Like a dimension. Yes. Yes. It is the five dimensional layer of God's authority and handship or leadership or power in the church. Amen. And they're all interlocking. Absolutely. They're interlocking, interconnected. One is not greater than the other. One is not better than the other. They are simply different, but equal. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's what I love about the kingdom. Everybody, ah. everybody has a role. Everybody has a part. Yes, sir. You know, everybody receives honor mm. and their satisfaction and the desire of your heart will be met in whatever role it is. Absolutely. I think the important thing in this season is just really making sure to be where the Lord's called you to be. Yes. So that way the anointing can flow. That's good. You know, I think I heard it say when it when a joints, I think when like a shoulder joint or like an elbow, mm. something's out of place, the nutrients can't flow as well, I believe. Absolutely. And that's why that it can uh, it can die or just grow, uh, you know, when something gets locked into place. It atrophies. Atrophies. It's mm-hmm. because the joints out and thus the nutrients can't flow. Absolutely. Isn't it amazing how you can have an injury Um, And it looks completely healthy. Your fingers are still there. Your arm is still there. But you can have an injury where you have been hit on the outside. Right. And you have now dislocated a joint Mm. or you have harmed internally one of the veins or one of the arteries. Now you start to get blue and eventually black colored flesh because the blood flow isn't flowing. That's right. Something has been disconnected where it should be connected. Um, I heard someone use this as an analogy once, and I love it. They said, if you were ever walking around and you look down around your feet or you saw something scooting across the floor and you looked down and realized it was a liver (laughs) or it was a lung (laughs) or it was a pancreas and the liver happened to be able to speak and the liver looks up and goes, hi. And you go, what are you doing? I'm trying to find my best destiny. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I'm a liver and I want to know if there's some greater purpose for me in life. I see. This is good. And so the liver keeps scooting along on the ground, searching, looking. The liver does liver research. 
It goes to <laughs> classes about being a greater liver. The lung has now bought a hat, a coat, and shoes, <laughs> and it's walking around calling itself Lung Ministries International. <laughs> oh my Lord. And all of them have become uh, individualized. Yes. And they've become specialty items. But their highest function, when the liver says, don't I look amazing with 50 other livers around me? Don't I look awesome on TV talking about being a liver? And yet you would always say to it, but you will never reach your highest function till you get back in the body. Okay, you need to press pause right there. I mean, <laughs> I, I need you, if you can go a little bit farther into this, because yes. this has actually been on my heart. Okay. Um, as the Lord's allow me to start building a ministry, I, you do this really well. And I, you know, we just see a lot of things and a lot of ministries, but sometimes, I've just noticed it feels like everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Yes. And I don't want to say sometimes the local church or the local body can be, get dismissed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it does get dismissed. But I think in this season, what you just said is what I've, I've noticed that a lot. How do we discern and differentiate when we're focused too much on ah, the ministry God's given me? Or, or mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, it does completely. Well, I say it like this, and I've said this for years. Every prophet needs a pastor. Every pastor needs a prophet. I'll go so far as to say every apostle needs a pastor and every pastor needs an apostle. What does that mean? It means we are interconnected for life, not for ministry, for life. So that if we do not understand that we are connected together to become mature, to become whole, to become who we are called to be in God. If I think my interconnectedness is only for the sake of producing some ministry event, right, or for the sake of me reaching the height of my own calling, Correct. then I don't see the local church or any church as being necessary. I see it as an opportunity. So I see you as my opportunity to become influential until I no longer need you. I see. Then I go on without you. But if each piece of the body only works best in the body, then I can have a ministry, which I do, that touches the world. But I am also the member of a local church. Yes. So no matter if I'm a shepherd somewhere else, I'm a sheep when I'm at home. Oh, amen, good word. So every prophet needs a pastor because when you're not on the platform, you are a sheep. You are a member of a multi-layered body. Into you the are fold. Into the fold. So if we would understand every one of us needs someone to cover us and speak into our lives, no matter how great your ministry, then that means no matter how much influence you have in the world, at the back of your mind, constantly in your heart, you understand I must stay connected to a local body where I may have family, community, accountability, accountability yeah. and mobility. Those four things have to exist in a local body so that you can have them balanced in your own life. Otherwise you create ministries that you think are greater than pastors and local houses and you'll become arrogant, isolated, and pretty soon you almost get paranoid. You start to think either everybody's against me or everybody only wants me for my gift. Or slowing you down. Or you slow it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good. I mean, to mean you stop right there. No, that was good. Because in this time, especially when we're all online, we're all having to work, you know, mm. plow our ministries, you know, it, sometimes I feel that the local body can get neglected or, you know, who, who am I attached to? Who is my family? Who, yes. you know, who is my pastor? Um, I just think that's very important right now. You know what? I'm glad you to asked, stay, To stay centered. It is because as we get deeper into the fivefold, the idea of the fivefold in the mind of God is to keep us balanced and centered. So if we don't understand from the very foundation that mm, God creates this idea of church, the idea of church is he creates an organism that in the earth will be a governmental organization to bring kingdom presence to produce eternal change. So the church is a governmental organization. The church is not a religious institution. It is a governmental organization. The church is just not where your family gathers. Right. It's not just where we come together to worship. It's not just where we come together to hear good word. It's a governmental organization. The term ecclesia 
is the reference point or referring to the mindset and in the place where government existed as a totality of people. It was given to them as the idea of you are a ruling, reigning force of individuals coming together, yes. taken out of one kingdom, but placed into another kingdom. Amen. So when you come together, you come together to rule, to declare to atmospheres, to speak into the earth realm, to command sickness to go, to command fear to leave, to speak to poverty and break it, Amen. to take in the homeless and the orphan and make them family. Everything we do together is a governmental transaction that brings heaven into earth. So, good. so if we understand that, then when we come together, we never think we're wasting time. I'm not wasting energy. This is not useless. Yes. This is not beneath me. This is a governmental organization that is bringing transactions from heaven into the earth. So good. That I can only reach maturity if I am part of this governmental organization. Now that's God, something that's gonna become a normal phrase for us as we teach on fivefold. What's that? God's idea, not man's invention. So good. God's idea, not man's invention. What man creates, he has to sustain. Yes. Yep. So religion is, and I understand a lot of people when they hear religion, they go, but yes, no, no, no. Religion is often reduced to man-made ideas of how to reach God. The kingdom of God is God's idea of how to reach man. So good. <laughs> <laughs> See, God flipped the script. When he creates the kingdom, he says, I'm coming to you. He came to us through 40 and two generations by prophets, priests, and kings, word, principles, and power. Then he comes to us in himself. And he walked among men for three and a half, for 33 and a half years, but for three and a half years, he exhibited power, glory, and nature. He then dies and rises again, takes that very nature which we're going to get into, and puts that nature in the church, not in the earth. In the church. In the church, into the governmental organization he created to bring heavenly transactions. So he took his nature, stuffed it into humanity, named those humans church. God's idea, not man's invention. God came up with the term church. God came up with the idea of fivefold. God came up with the idea of anointing, which means no human on the planet gets to denigrate, ignore, or devalue the terminology or the power of what God invented himself. So when we choose to ignore fivefold, when we choose to denigrate the church as though it's not important, or when we decide we don't need a local church anymore, we have decided that our new idea is greater than God's idea. So man-made inventions cannot sustain God-created ideas. That's right. So God came up with this. Either we're gonna learn it and walk <laughs> in it, or we're gonna keep being dumb for the rest of our right. lives. And that's where I think he wants to pull us from. Yes, He's, I think in this season with, with the quarantine and such that these man-made inventions are being tested, mm. you know, burnt up in the fire, chaff. <laughs> but it's necessary to move forward into the glory that, that the Lord has for the church or else we can't, we can't carry it. We can't sustain it. That's right. With maturity, like you said, mm. we, won't be able to, we won't be able to sustain it. And he wants to release it. But yes. You know, everybody's got to be in place. Everybody's got to be in place. Amen. That's that's okay. the good part of this. Yes. All right, get started with that. Oh, oh. I got a lot of questions, but I'm not gonna because I have a lot of questions in the Bible, but I want you to just okay. just get, get going in that. Then we'll just lay some of this yeah. out. And um I won't try to I'll try not to go too long on this one because we're gonna be digging in as we go forward. But you can you tell I'm excited? Uh, I love yes, this. Yes, I can. So when God had the idea of bringing his nature into the earth, God's nature is so grand, so magnificent, so beyond the realm of our ability to consider or think it out. I call it the nature of God, then the nature of Christ is laid upon the church. 
So if we look at this, let's look at where it's found in scripture. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians four, now we're gonna look at verse 11. And it says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? There's a threefold reason God created fivefold. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Oh, wait, there's another reason. For what? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now I could keep going. I'm going to stop there. This passage lays out something. When people often talk about fivefold, they don't talk about the reason for fivefold the need for fivefold. So in the mind of the apostle Paul, when he's writing this, who he has been breathed on by the Holy Spirit for all scriptures given by inspiration of the spirit of God. Inspiration means though different men, 40 different writers wrote the Bible, all of them received the breath of God. Suddenly there was an initiation of the Holy Spirit who flooded and filled them and like their pen was set on fire from heaven, they began to write out the mind of God. Paul catches the mind of God concerning God has an idea about this governmental group he has created to transform the world. And what is Paul's revelation? In this passage, the revelation is the church will never become what it's created to be. It will never be mature. It will never be unified. It will never be fully built up. It will never produce the works of ministry unless the fivefold is in place. Paul sees this and says, fivefold ministry is not about you getting a title. It's not about you putting it on your business card. It's not about you thinking you're better than another. Fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means ultimate maturity. So it literally means we will not become mature. We will not become fully developed in the nature of God, in the power of God, or in the presence of the Holy Spirit until we have fivefold. Each facet that unlocks a yes. piece of maturity. Absolutely. And each one of the five, as they are in position, will unlock a different part of your maturity. Okay. A teacher will unlock a revelation in you that you need to mature and walk out your destiny. An evangelist will unlock a passion in you that will cause you to run deeper, stronger, more vibrant, or focus on a different people group or culture that you were called to go to, but you never knew that part until you heard a Reinhard Bonnke Mm -hmm. talk about Africa, until you heard um, a Dennis Balcom talk about China, until you heard the stories of someone from a different part of the earth. And when that evangelist spoke about where God had sent them a cultural passion, cultural passion. Okay. Unlocked in you. And you said these words to God, send me Lord. I'll go there too. That the evangelist, the evangelist only underneath the evangelist do cultural fires and different national pursuits get truly matured and unlocked. You may have had it before, but it wasn't mature. It didn't get perfected. Is that why evangelists flow into prophetic oftentimes? Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. With the you, the prophet, excuse me, with a pastor, there are deeper levels of maturity that don't get unlocked until you have a good pastor who's around you who may, while they're teaching on the realm of the heart, don't be offended. 
being a good husband or a good wife, learning how to love community. You didn't know you were missing something in that area until while you were sitting on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or just talking with your pastor in small group. They made a statement about life and you went home and searched your heart and said, oh, I'm not mature there. I need to grow there. Were they talking about me? <laughs> How did they know that? That's the perfecting that happens when you're under a fivefold who's called in that area. It will always highlight where you are immature. Is that that phrase? I'm either going to walk out mad, sad, or glad. <laughs> <laughs> one of those three should be should be hidden. That's exactly. I like that. Mad, glad, or sad. <laughs> when we have the fivefold in place, when a prophet is mature and a, a prophet is speaking into your life, suddenly there are revelations about your future, the mind of God, the presence of God, um, the depth of your own destiny that gets unlocked. Dreams are unlocked when you walk with prophets. So there is a perfecting that happens in your life that cannot happen without that teacher, yeah. the evangelist, the pastor, the prophet, an apostle. There are blueprints, strategies, words of wisdom, design for your future that cannot be opened up to you and never will be matured in you until you are around that gifting. So it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Patrick, I'll tell you this, down through the years, I have always been amazed at how I have seen most places never produce the full level of what they were designed to produce because they did not receive all of the fivefold. Would that be like the pastor-led model? Yes. Trying to fulfill every role? Absolutely. It's kind of a little question, but this may be down the line a little bit. No, no, come how, on. How does a, a pastor-led church mm. that wants to make the transition into administering through the fivefold, how do you, how does one make that transition? Mm. I mean, how do, how, do they, yeah, how do they make that transition? What does that look like? That's a great question. From a pastor-led, fulfilling all these roles to starting to implement the teacher and the, the apostle and... Mm. Okay, this is good. I know that's loaded, but... It, it is loaded. <laughs> Y'all can't see me. I lean back twice. <laughs> Here's what's so good about that question and why it does fit, even though we're just getting started. When you look at scripture and the best model, fivefold was created by God. And we're going to get into the depths of it as we go in. But how do pastoral-led models, churches that are led by the traditional pastor... We've reduced fivefold down to threefold, if we're, if we're telling the truth. Um, a lot of those who are listening understand fivefold. But for historical views, we've reduced it mostly down to the pastor, some evangelists here and there, and a lot of teachers who we pretty much reduced them to Sunday school teachers right. or just a teacher in the church. A pastoral-led model is a good model, but it is not the mature model. So what do you do if you're a local pastor and you're leading your church, but you want to see the prophetic and the apostolic come in. First of all, you have to first start to embrace the teaching. So you have to start getting the teaching into your heart and listening to teachings on the apostolic and the prophetic, listening to balanced teaching, not teaching that says the pastor isn't any good without the apostle and the prophet, not teaching that puts you down and says you're somehow backwards. No, we learn as we grow. So listen to good teachers who will teach that it was simply Christ's model. It is a New Testament model and you need to embrace it. Second, look for apostles and prophets that you can begin to build relationship with. If you begin to build relationship in the New Testament, the biblical model is that fivefold works together, which means it has to be relational, which means I will say something that a lot of people may not say. You don't connect to apostles and prophets just because someone amazed you in their ministry on sure. TV or something you saw online. You have to build a relationship. You have to begin to talk to them. Hear at least 10 to 15 different messages they put out there, not just one message, not just one book. Because if you're going to bring them into your house, into that local ministry, 
you're bringing in the totality of their life, not just one message. So build relationship first. Have some conversations, go to their conferences or look at enough material. So how do you bring it in? Very simply, pray and ask the Lord, who do you trust and who should you trust? And begin to ask them to speak into the house. I see. So if they begin to speak into, every time they speak, you will know by the hearing of your ear when they begin to speak and you'll know by the reaction or the transformation that takes place. If it begins to help the house, if it begins to help you, all help will not be comfortable, but it will produce life. That's a good word. If you connect to a good apostle and prophet and you haven't been used to connecting to that, it's going to cause some discomfort the first few times. They're going to challenge where you're living and the level of your faith and expectation because they're there to push you, not to hold your hand, but to push you to greatness. Third, don't let all the people around you convince you to stay comfortable because the people you're running with in your own house now, unless they've had the same encounter with God to go deeper, they're going to think you're trying to push them into something they're not ready for. So you must now bring them with you and encourage them to go deeper. So bring it into the house, have them speak into the house, build relationship with them yourself. And then over time, you'll trust them enough and they'll see your heart enough to y'all can start doing some, what I call deep transformation okay. that can really change the house over the course of time and change your city in a dynamic way. Yeah, that's good. Yes, sir. Good question. There's, yeah, there's a lot to that. So, <laughs> I'm a student in this. I mean, I love Fivefold, but you don't really hear it get it uh, laid out yeah. plainly and how to really incorporate, you know, what does it look like? Even like in verse 11, mm. it says he gave some. What does that mean by some? Mm. What, did, what did that some mean right there? Now that's, oh, that's good. Some means not all. So this is important to understand because literally when he says he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, he's making it clear. Number one, everyone should not count themselves to be everything. Now that's important because what pride will do is sometimes in our circles, everyone either wants to be everything or they want no one to be anything. So we either have this reaction where we don't want anyone to say they're an apostle and no one to say they're a prophet. And can't we all just be our first name? And why do we have to refer to titles? And can't we all just be humble and do what God's called us to do? You're not being humble by not acknowledging what God said about you. Until we recognize the grace on some people will never be able to utilize their function in the church. That's true. So we have to recognize the grace that is there. Again, God's idea, not man's invention. Now the second, let's swing the pendulum the other way. Then some people, as this thing was being unveiled and taught over the last 20, 30 years, everybody wanted to be, well, I'm an apostle. Right. So I'm an apostle in business and I'm an apostle in the marketplace and I'm an apostle in education <laughs> and I'm a prophet to this. And pretty soon we've got 3000 apostles and 3000 prophets and we dilute the power of what it was supposed to be because everyone simply named themselves what they just discovered. Right. So some means not all. A lot of people who are calling themselves apostles are not apostles. They are apostolic. Right, like a grace, yes. not the office. There you go. The grace is upon them, not the office. A lot of people who are calling themselves prophets are not prophets, but they are very prophetic. The grace is upon them, not the office. The reason a lot of churches sometimes have great issues over time is because the pastor is not a pastor. He's pastoral. Right. He was the most pastoral person they could find right. at the time. And he liked people. People like him. Yeah. And she likes people. And so they put them in place and they're pastoral. They like people. They like doing the stuff with people. They like hanging out. They like having meals. Right. They, yeah. But they're not a pastor because they don't know what to do with the sheep. They don't know how to get the sheep to grow. They don't know how to make the sheep mature. So we have churches being run by people who are pastoral and we have prophetic ministries that are 
being called prophets speaking, but they're prophetic people speaking. So there's not the same level of governmental authority right. to make their words manifest. So when things don't happen, people get mad at the prophet, but they were never a prophet. Right. They were prophetic. They didn't speak the word that carried the authority with it, like an yes. author like for, for changing seasons, season changing. Absolutely. Okay. A prophetic person can discern the change of a season. A prophet can command the change ah, of a season. Good. A prophetic person can discern that the atmosphere needs to be moved. A prophet can move it just by showing up. A prophetic person can discern that God is about to give you an increase on your job or bless you in your house. But a prophet, whether they felt it or not, can say to you tomorrow about this time, the famine shall be over <laughs> and God will go, oh, okay, well, let me right. do something. Why? Because God has graced the prophet with the power to decree a thing and it shall be established and light shall spring forth on the way. By the word of his mouth, the heavens were formed. That's what God does. Well, he puts that grace upon the prophet so that when God says to the prophet, that's why Everybody shouldn't be calling themselves prophets. Now, this is not a negative. Right. I, I'm not. I'm not looking at anybody sure, saying yeah, they yeah. shouldn't. I'm saying what happens is we dilute the function and expectation, because if a thousand people call themselves prophets, but we don't see prophet-like results, yeah. then our expectation drops, drops, drops. It's good to just be prophetic. I'm prophetic. I'm prophetic all day. I see something. All I hear day, something day. all day, every day. <laughs> but as a prophet, I know if I command something to happen, it's going to happen. Yes, that is true. That's the difference. And I think when everybody's calling themselves a prophet, it can become common. Yes. Like you're, you're one of my good friends, a mentor. Yes. But I also, pro I know to approach you. Yes, sir. I know you're in the office. So there's a, a respect. I know when you speak that it carries a weight, that it carries that governmental seasonal yes. transformation. And uh, if everybody's walking around with that title, it could be treated as common. Yes. And we never want to do that. No, we never want to reduce what I call lava mm -hmm. down to warm water. Right. And that's what happens to us. God in the New Testament, he took these hot coals of fire from the altar in heaven threw them down in five different forms. The fivefold nature of Christ, that's what the nature of Christ is. It is the very power and glory of heaven laid upon one man. He walked through the earth with the glory of God, the power of the highest, the nature of God resting on him and released it in a five-dimensional platform. Mm. He then takes that five-dimensional platform and puts it on the people who now become his body because it was resting on his body personally, he now puts it on his body community. So he puts this five dimension nature upon the body of himself called the church. And he says, the earth will never be absent of my nature, my power and my glory again. So I've got to put it on you in five different dimensions because one person can never carry all of me like I carried all of heaven. Right, Why? Right. Because people will make you an idol ah, if I just give it to one. That way we need each other. So the body has to be a body. I see. Okay. So that you cannot be arrogant without each other. You cannot isolate so that you cannot ignore. I have no need of you or you don't. So that the liver yeah. is not outside <laughs> of the body going, right. I'm looking for a platform. <laughs> so that the spleen is not over here trying to make a gown and start its own ministry. <laughs> so that your brain is not over here absent your body going, well, I think I'm better without the rest of them. Right. So that for the rest of your existence, every time you come together, you will know you're better together. And that will bring peace when people know where they're in place, because I think you know, when there's a, a pastor in place that wasn't called necessarily a pastor. Yes. Um, it brings a level of frustration because you're not seeing the fruit you see. Absolutely. And for anybody out of position, there will be an unfulfilled, you will, you will, you will be unfulfilled. Yes. You're not flowing in it. So 
I think it's good that we we get this understanding so we can all live at peace and flow in peace. Absolutely. You know, if I'm doing if I'm uh, fulfilling a role I'm not supposed to, we all know it just it adds a burden that you don't have the grace to carry. Oh, that's well said. You know, yes. and uh, in this season especially, it's one of the things I believe the Lord is clarifying is burdens that aren't yours because you might be walking or trying to lift something you wouldn't call yes you know this person or this position was supposed to do that so i love this and it's mm. it's uh it can be simple but it's also complicated at the same time yes that's, sir. that's why i'm enjoying this because there's been so many interpretations of the fivefold uh a lot of mystery yeah kind of mysterious topics sometimes the fivefold <laughs> um so this is great for me you know as we, a student the Lord said to me years ago, the deeper the revelation, the simpler the interpretation. Wow. wow. Yeah. Because I loved um, Einstein. I love studying scientists. I love history. Einstein would do this thing where he would often break down his revelations and he would turn them into almost like cartoons, sketches. Um, if you look up some of the things you can find um, where he would take a blackboard and he would draw down the universe and he would put it into a drawing. And it says some of the children in the neighborhood would come by and look at the drawings. And this is what his statement. He said, anything I cannot explain to a five-year-old or was it a four-year-old? It was oh, somewhere. That's right. I think yes. heard of this. He said, anything I cannot explain to a child, I do not teach in public. Why? Because the deeper the understanding the easier the explanation. It's a great principle. Yes, which is why we got to E equals MC squared. Yeah. We come to the understanding of how the universe operates because these fantastical ideas, he realized if I cannot explain it, I don't yet understand it. Mm. So good. Yes. That's, that's true for anything. That's true for anything. Yes. That's the truth of the scripture. That's the truth of God. Deep spiritual revelation does not require deep, long, drawn-out explanations. Okay. When I hear people getting into these long explanations of this is how you interact with God, and if you you know lay down on the floor and you lay there for enough hours <laughs> and you see this and you wait for this door and you click your heels twice and you say there's no place like home and you wait for the tornado to come, the Tin Man will greet you. <laughs> There's this level of confusion that we bring in, which is the sign that's a human explanation because all human knowledge is fed through the soul. The soul is a pathway filled with confusion because it's my history, my imagination, wrapped up with my own emotion. This is not true for the spirit realm. The spirit realm is the spirit of truth will guide you. Yes. He will lead you into all truth. So deep revelation it's not complicated to explain. That's why he says little children love one another. Well, what do we do? Love, love one, one another. another. Well, how do we do it? Love, love one, one another. <laughs> well, what, when I don't feel like loving, love, love one, one another. another. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I even had that thought earlier today. Um, as I've gotten older and I, I read the Gospels, I really I continue to understand and realize how, how simple Jesus was. Yes. You know, I was like... <laughs> How did he learn how to do this? Well, he, he did what he saw his father doing. How did yes. he see what he saw what he was doing because he had communion. Every you know he would always retract and go to the mountain or just yes, get, get face to face. And I just keep realizing how simple his principles were that he operated by. Yes, and he didn't he didn't extrapolate very widely on a lot of these things. No, because it was probably unnecessary. You know, sometimes I think we can do that to build. Oh my Teaching God! Material. Oh my God! As a teacher, as a teacher, that's where a pitfall for a teacher could be. Yes, trying to extrapolate something that's not there to have something Absolutely. to give. Yeah, we all have to guard ourselves against, and and we're going to get into this in the future. I call it the five pitfalls of the prophetic, okay. or of the excuse me of the fivefold. Each one of them has a place where they can miss God in a great way, and we're going to dig into that in a couple of sessions. But it's amazing, Patrick, how for the teacher and for those who are trying to dig into something, whenever you see something fantastic in the word. Fantastical. Like, yes. Yeah, like, we then, what I call it is, we go over the top. We want to discover how do I teach this like no one else has yeah. taught it. Now, the problem with that is that's pride yes. in and of itself. Yes. When my mind says I have to present it in a way that no one else has done it, 
what you're trying to do at that moment is create an audience, not a student. Mm, so, oh, that's so good. Yeah, so good. See, because teachers are there for students. Students, not audiences. Not audiences. I'm not here to get a following. Now, even though we're saying this on the podcast, and listen, we want you to follow yeah, us. Come on. <laughs> We want you Press to follow. follow we want you to share. <laughs> we want you to get other people to yeah. follow. But the idea of teaching is not to create clones or drones or worshipers or audiences. Teachers teach students. So good. Students become teachers, which is why for every time we were in school, you had a book for every class. The book wasn't overly complicated. It's just you didn't understand the material until you were a few weeks in. The teacher used the same book for every student. Same answer for every question. Every year, after every year, it didn't change. What I love by that is the greatest teachers in history are the people who learned how to teach the same material that's being taught in the next high school, that's being taught at the next university. In 10,000 schools, they're using the same Same. book. Mm -hmm. You don't call the teacher less than a good teacher because the material is the same. A good teacher is they use the same material. They just learn how to make the students enjoy it. I never thought of it that way. That's so good. (laughs) Wow. What we've done in church is we've somehow made it about, can you give me different material and make it more exciting and give me a different way of seeing it? No, (laughs) I don't need to give you different material. This same book has produced 10 million revolutionaries through history who've changed nations and cultures and made time stand still, who've raised the dead, opened blinded eyes, written books, wrote songs, wrote poetry, invaded nations, brought down leaders who didn't love God by their prayers, shook the foundation of creation and did it all without being remembered by most of us. They were the students that learned, I don't need a teacher who becomes a world-class orator. I need a teacher who can make the complicated simple so that I can reproduce it. I receive that, I want that, I receive that. Yes, sir. My Lord. That's what the world, this is how we become a nameless, faceless generation that changes everything. Which is what he's accomplishing. That's what he's accomplishing. The fivefold nature of God in the church was not to produce a thousand people who are all famous. It's to produce a hundred thousand people, a million people, 10 million people, a billion people who may not be known by the masses, but are all recorded in heaven because they have learned the complicated, made it simple and reproduced it on a daily basis. That's why the fivefold nature is necessary. We can't reproduce this thing without it. So good. Yes, sir. Wow. (laughs) I have to stop right there. (laughs) You know what? I think we should. I got one technical question. Come on. It's been on my mind, just like a technicality here. How many uh, apostles are like in a region. How does that work? Can there oh. be like five apostles in a region or is it per capita? You know, my, <laughs> my thinks that way, like office, office apostles or like office prophets, but like for an apostle, yeah. is there like, have you noticed there's the Lord will plant one, two, three, mm-hmm. you know, how does that work? It's very funny. I'll say this. Um, well, you look at Jerusalem in the very beginning, all of the apostles were there together. Good point. (laughs) And they operated in peace. And the apostles, but from there, they all went out. From there, they all produced great traction. So I'll say it like this. I don't think it's per capita or even per location. What I think it's about is per function. Okay. I think you can have many apostles in one location if they are actually raising up ministries businesses, companies, people who are going out and transforming. But if they're not all producing traction, then it's wasted space. God would not bring 20, 40, 50 apostles into one city and have them all sit around and sing Kumbaya and tell each other stories of the past. 
That's a waste of the Holy Spirit. And if one thing is true about God, he is a good steward. If we look at creation, he's a good steward. He plants one garden, gets a world. He makes <laughs> one man, creates creation. He speaks one word, everything begins. So we have to remember God doesn't waste any intention or invention. So I believe what we see historically is in most cities, there was usually an apostle and an apostolic house. And out of that, it grew. But you rarely had more than one or two great apostolic houses okay. per city, okay. depending on the size of the city. Because their goal was to produce momentum. Out of that apostolic house, there became what I call prophetic culture. Out of that prophetic culture, there became evangelistic fire, where they were constantly going out into the highways and byways, from that evangelistic fire, there was the constant release of new pastoral ministry because a house is birthed over here, a new church is birthed over there. They go to this. So there might be a hundred churches birthed out of that apostolic house so that now the city is being pastored really by that apostolic I house see. Okay. because all of these pastors were connected to this house. Mm. And out of that, great teaching comes because what happens mostly is from that apostolic house and that prophetic culture, they take certain revelations released in that atmosphere and they would write about them as a group, create music from them, create new teaching. So you've got all this new teaching that goes out. So the fivefold now has been enacted by an apostolic leader who pulls in prophetic culture. Right, okay. The prophet now begins to declare. This prophetic declaration puts fire into the hearts of the evangelists. They now go out carrying this prophetic word, this apostolic mandate to go out and transform the cities and the culture and the neighborhoods into what God has put in this house. That prophetic fire now starts pastoral movement so now all of these new pastors, why? All these souls that got saved through the evangelists need to be pastored. All these families that got touched need to be pastored. All these new areas that have been impacted, they can't all come to this one apostolic house. So we need new pastoral missions. So now the pastoring explodes, which now requires an increase of teaching because for every new family, every new convert, every person who may have been saved, but not in this same apostolic flow, they don't know what you know. So now we need teachers to teach what was the apostolic word and the prophetic vision and now the evangelistic fire. So if this one group hears the Lord apostolically and moves together, they birth out a connection that five folk can operate in one region continually until Jesus comes, until we see him face to face. However your dimensional doctrine takes you, whether he comes here in glory or you go out in a blaze of glory. I don't get caught up in foolishness. It's real simple. This is what the fivefold was created to do, that there is a momentum where it never ends. Fivefold keeps going in this momentous turning over in and of itself where it never has to end. And that's what I call, we'll, we'll touch on this. When you look at scripture, Two phrases that we often use that we've made it just for bad things, but it was not just for bad. Stronghold and strong man. Whenever we hear that, people think of devils. Right. Okay. There's a stronghold and we go, oh, we got to break that stronghold. <laughs> and that spirit is a strong man. What we forget is it's not always a negative connotation. It's used in a negative connotation because Jesus is explaining something and the New Testament is revealing something. But we have to understand, that's why he says when the strong man is removed, you cannot take the stronghold till you remove the strong man. A stronghold is what? It's referring to a garrison. Right. It's referring to a palace or refuge. So it's about a fortified place. Okay. A fortified place is still there. Anybody can live in right. it. So if you remove the strong man who's currently there. Which kingdom? Yeah. Which kingdom? If you remove the strong man from darkness, that means the stronghold now needs to be inhabited. Well, who's living in it? Right. The church. That means now the church becomes the strong man. So good. 
So the church becomes the strong man that's now living in the stronghold, which is why scripture says, come ye to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Wow. So literally, the scripture says, you've been living outside of the stronghold long enough. Your hope has made you a prisoner. You've been hoping for God to come visit you there. Come to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Come in the fivefold nature of God, operate as a team and take back the stronghold. Inhabit it. And now the apostle becomes the strong man of a region. The prophet becomes the watchman in the stronghold. Ah, the evangelist becomes the attacking army Mm. that takes back the territory outside of the stronghold until like the garden, we occupy, replenish, and take over the earth in whatever region you're in. The pastor now becomes what? He becomes the trainer for all those who are now being brought in to become part of this new kingdom. So they cover your life. They train your family. They teach you the way of the kingdom now that you're family. And what does the teacher do? The teacher teaches you how to use your weapons when you now join yourself to this new army. So the fivefold nature of God is how we take over the stronghold and make it God's property, how we transform the city and make it God's dwelling place, and how we turn the dark places into places for the kingdom of light. Well, I'm glad I asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you just set up excellent foundation and context to move forward. Because what you just said right there totally laid the groundwork for me to be able to continue to receive as you go deeper. So, Amen. That was was fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. You know what? Then we're going to stop right here. Yeah. And we say to all of you who are listening, we hope this is whetting your hunger for the fivefold. We're going to go deeper into this. And we're going to unlock this as to how the fivefold operates in the church, how it operates outside of the church, and how you can operate in the fivefold grace that's on you. Every person has part of the fivefold grace on you. Whether you're a fivefold office or not, there is grace from a fivefold on you. And we're going to teach you how to tap into that. And so until then, Patrick. Why don't you pray for us? Well, Father, I just say thank you, Lord. I just pray for a wisdom and understanding and, and learning of these facets of the fivefold, Father. I, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, God, to receive this revelation that we could walk it out, Father, yes. and see this transformation in our very own cities, God. We just say yes to the fivefold. We say yes, yes to so uh, these teams that you're building, Father, throughout the regions, throughout the, the states and the cities, God. And, Father, we just pray that we would be continually positioned to flow in the fivefold, to flow in in, the, in these gifts, Father, that you've given unto men, Lord. Yes. We just say, use us. And uh, we just say, thank you for this season, Father. Thank you how you are teaching us, Lord. Yes. Um, we just are students at your feet, Lord, and just saying, teach us, Father. Teach, teach us, us how to Lord. flow. Teach us how to be that team. Teach us how to operate in your principles and power that we would see just, just your kingdom advance. Yes. Your kingdom advance, Father. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.